0: Welcome to Kim knows nothing. That's Kim. Hey. I don't know what to say to that. You just you said that's Kim, but you didn't like You say there's Stacy. There's Stacy. Ah.
1: Welcome to Kim knows <laughs> nothing, where Kim knows nothing about doing intros to podcasts.
0: Never never.
1: I really enjoy the sweatshirt that Kim is wearing. I just want everybody to know that it's a dark gray with
0: all kinds of beautiful flowers on it thank you i got it it. old navy i'm gonna steal it no thanks can i borrow it definitely not but i did get it at old navy (laughs) shout out to old navy feel free to sponsor us and give me i'm it's very comfortable in the inside feel it okay i'm gonna i'm I'm feeling
1: oh very comfortable it's really
0: soft I'm i'm a little uh sweaty Oh, okay. It's a little warm in here. Yeah. It's cold outside. It's finally getting cold and I put yeah. on the sweatshirt thinking like, oh, I'm going to be so like comfy and cozy, but I'm sweating.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I'm not going to open the door because then you would hear the noises from outside. So we're just going to bake in here. Cool. Cool. Cool cool, cool. cool. Great. <laughs> All right. So here at Kim Knows Nothing, I share a true crime story. Kim's never heard it before and she's going to react. Mm-hmm. She's got some sound fat, uh, Sound effects. Sound effects. <laughs> just got some sound effects preloaded. There's a good one. For yeah, you. That, one's good. that one's good. That's good. That's just a. New a one. That's a taste. Just a taste.
0: Yeah. Just got a couple new ones for mm-hmm. your listening pleasure. I'm not gonna give anybody a preview of those. Okay. That'll be a surprise. Okay. Good. Well, <laughs> your eyes lit up when you said that. I love surprises.
1: You know that. <laughs> well, you're gonna be surprised to hear about this story.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So, this episode is uh, about the murder of a woman named Melanie Uribe. Uribe. <laughs> you you want to make fun of her name, but you're not going to because that's really insensitive because she's a murder victim and you're laughing, you're covering your mouth laughing. Oh, no. <laughs> what? I know you laugh at people's names. What? It's not funny. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm crying. Oh, God. Oh,
0: my goodness. I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. That'd be terrible.
1: Listen, when I saw her name spelled out, I thought it was Uribe. U-R-I-B-E. But then I heard it pronounced by... Well, I... Listen. When I did my research, I watched some vids. I read some things. Okay. So I heard the lead investigator on the case pronounced her last name Uribe
0: so that's what I'm gonna go with here's okay but here's what I'm gonna go with okay and this is a, a theory that I've been working on for about seven years oh, wow <laughs> okay must be real <laughs> which is that like that person was just guessing and immediately when you said that no <laughs> we don't know that though he's and the I'll lead tell you, investigator
1: on the case he knew her family members
0: maybe <laughs> you okay. Of course, but did. let me tell you my. This is a very real thing, and I. This is a theory I came up with as an adult. Okay, so this is an adult brain thinking these thoughts. Okay, I don't think we know. You can't even. I don't think we know what colored dinosaurs were. Oh, okay. So that's going real deep. <laughs> we're just guessing.
1: Okay, no, no, no. We're I... just assuming. No, I have asked this question before. They could have been purple. Well, I asked my husband, who you know, never, which husband though? The first one. Oh, okay. Okay. That's not a funny joke. He's very smart. So when he tells me things, I don't even look it up to double check it because (laughs) it's got to be true. He said that there's all all kinds of science behind them knowing what the color of their skin was. I think they
0: could have been purple.
1: That's totally true. They could have been straight up unicorns. We don't know. We don't know
0: anyways that was serious tangent anyway also i read an article i read the headline of an article that said that t-rexes perhaps you read the headline (laughs) yeah i got all the information i need as soon as i read it i said that makes sense i held on to this information and i just tell other people like it's a fact right i think t-rexes were more a water dinosaur than land dinosaur because if you think about like their arms are good for swimming no mm-hmm. they're not They're so short No but they're Like they can wade no. more Okay think about How does a dinosaur They're how does so a bottom heavy They're bottom heavy I know but how does a T? They didn't drown How does a T-Rex Like kill its prey They can't even put Their little Cute little hands Up to their little Tiny Well their big mouths They can't they're do that
1: Little tiny <laughs> Kim, that theory has so many holes in it, I would need you to hit the drawing board on that. Okay. Also, you can't just read headlines. And I like that you're trying to make it sound like you read things, because we know that you only watch movies and TV. <laughs> I
0: read headlines. So don't try to drop in that you read. That was unquote. a fact ripped from the headlines. Literally. Literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, back to it.
0: Cool. Okay. Okay.
1: So, Melanie Uribe, okay. she was a 31-year-old nurse from Los Angeles. Oh, man. Okay, so... We are L.A. I was having a really good day. Listen, this is going to be close to home, literally.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Melanie was born Melanie Lynn Poole on September 9th, 1948 in Los Angeles. And by 1980, she was 31 years old and she had been divorced and was a single mom of an eight-year-old son. Oh, man. We don't know much about her life. I wasn't able to find much about her early life, but this is what we know. Okay. And... She was working as a nurse at Pacoima Memorial Hospital in San Fernando, California.
0: Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Okay, so, as you know, Kim. The look that you just (laughs) gave me really, I didn't like it. I'll be honest with you.
1: Okay, as you know, LA is a giant city, so I just want to describe what this area, so where she ends up being, where this crime takes place is an area called Pacoima, which time. is in what we call the Valley. Kim, you know this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in the city of Los Angeles, but it's a small neighborhood. And it's at the foothills of the San Gabriel Mountains. So
0: okay. in this area... It's- Be more specific. Talk okay. to me like I'm a bigger dummy than you probably already think I am. Okay,
1: so like a valley surrounded by mountains. To the northeast, yeah, but like, we have the San Gabriel Mountains with foothills, okay? And it's a suburban area. Yeah, but
0: like say other cities that are around it.
1: Oh, other cities that are around it? Well, it's Pacoima. San Fernando is actually its own city that's nearby there. Mm-hmm. Burbank is nearby. Gotcha, we know where okay. that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like if you go north where, of Burbank, where like Sun Valley is. It's Sun Valley, oh. Pacoima, that area.
0: Okay, cool. All right. I'm all I didn't know now. what you
1: were getting at. Like you wanted me to set the scene? More, I didn't or No, no, no. I just like You want to know where it is because you don't know. You don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah, because I'm s I am do not know like directions Kim at all. Kim knows nothing. Yeah, literally. Okay,
1: so in this okay. area, a lot of people have horses too, because you're right at the foothills of the mountains, there's lots of trails and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and anyways, okay, she so have a horse? sort of setting the scene. I don't think she did. Okay. But I don't know. Okay. Stacy knows nothing. Drakes. <laughs> On December 15th, 1980, Melanie was supposed to be at work at the hospital because she's a nurse, and she never showed up. Her roommate, Shirley Tresell, became worried and started searching for her that very same night. Shirley couldn't find Melanie that night, so she continued searching the next day, and at 3.30 on December 16th, she comes across Melanie's truck at the 11700 block of Bromont Avenue in Pacoima. Pacoima, where I just described where mm-hmm. that is, too. At 4.30 that day... Um, sorry, how many days had she been missing? She had been missing just that, since that last night.
0: That's a good roommate. That's a good
1: roommate, for sure. She was like. And that
0: makes, that really paints for me a very nice picture of this very nice young lady. I think so. Like, wasn't, listen, nobody deserves to be murdered. No. But this young lady obviously was responsible. She was a nurse. She came home. Yes. Because her roommate was like, where's my buddy?
1: Yeah. Because buddy's always on time. Yeah. Yep. So she, when she sees that um, she finds her truck, oh, and the truck had been burnt out, like somebody had set it on fire, essentially. So at 4.30 that day, the roommate, she heads to the Valley Division of the LAPD to report her roommate missing and to report the burnout truck. Mm-hmm. She speaks with Detective Patrick Conmay. The LAPD searches the burnout truck, but no evidence can be recovered.
0: Oh You sucked! What's that for? Um, I'm just really, like, frustrated that the truck was burned.
1: Right. Yeah. That makes you feel like something bad happened?
0: I think the whole thing makes me feel like something bad happened. For sure. Yeah. Because it's already a murder. I well, because I'm here and... Because you're sure here kind on of podcast. am story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm just... I wish... I just... I'm sad for this girl already. Okay. I was having a really good day until I came here. And yeah, it's, yeah. You're about to
1: get bummed out. You know I, that's yeah, what's going to um, happen. Yeah. yeah. I'm
0: going to go somewhere after this and be, like, just really bummed. Right.
1: I like to set you up for failure okay thanks the Valley Division of the LAPD begins a large search for Melanie first they start going door to door then the next day they alert the media and now it's all over the news like TV, radio what have you newspaper newspaper they had newspapers cool (laughs) Twitter no Twitter okay So, because, like I said before, it's at the base of the San Gabriel Mountains, there's a lot of horses, and LAPD even sends out their equestrian patrol to go search.
0: Ooh. And
1: they start searching in a nearby area called Lopez Canyon. Okay. Um, Based on where the truck had been found, which is near the foothills, and they, you know, think something terrible could have happened to her, um, Lopez Canyon seemed like a good area to search. Maybe that'd be a place to dump a body if she had been killed. They weren't sure yet. She's just missing. Yeah. So... um. Okay. Now they have here, a pretty
0: good idea, though.
1: They have a pretty yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. So here's where the story gets a little twisted. It's already pretty twisted. <laughs> it's gonna get even okay. So without having any luck finding Melanie, the next day on December 17th, LAPD detective Lee Ryan. This is a different detective than who I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. He gets a visit from a strange woman named Etta Louise Smith. <laughs> yeah. She claims to be a psychic. <laughs> And that she knows where Melanie is. (laughs) That's a triple record scratch. Triple
0: record. Yeah. I don't like this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: So the officer is obviously suspicious. Duh. But he asks her, he says, show me on a map where her body is then. Yeah. Or where Melanie is. She points out Lopez Canyon. The officer, you know, he's very wary of this woman, but he just sends her on her way and he
0: doesn't do anything about it. Oh, come on, man. Okay, now. I don't I'm also wary, but I also feel like, I uh, don't know where this girl is. Right. Time's a ticking. Time's a ticking. Just go. Just go. What's it going to What's it going to do? Yeah, I guess I don't know because I'm not familiar with police work. But I think on Chicago PD they would have done it. There it is. One. <laughs> one. <laughs> one. <laughs> it's a good show and I want to how, I know, I'm you want to plug you know, it. know, I'm on the grassroots campaign. I know, I've never seen it. Oh, man. Oh, boy.
1: Tell me why... No, don't tell me why. All right. <laughs> Sophia so, Bush. <laughs> all right. Several hours later in the late evening, officers do end up finding Melanie's body in Lopez Canyon.
0: I think that lady did it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... Okay, the detective who first spoke with Melanie's roommate, Detective May, he gets the call that there's a body's been found. Someone just found it. Well, the, the police found it. Why did they go there? They were searching that area already. So, Detective Conme goes up there, he takes a look at the body. She's nude, she still has on white nurse's shoes. Um, she has significant trauma to the head, clearly indicating that she's been murdered. And it's definitely Melanie Uribe. This is
0: really bumming me out on a lot of different personal levels. I know. I why Why know. is it personal? Well, my mom's a nurse. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, and like something about like the shoes is really such a specific. It is and, like, specific. Yeah, for heartbreaking sure. Heartbreaking detail. Yeah, for it's sure. It's really not funny at all.
1: Okay, now, because it's late in the evening, officers, they don't remove Melanie's body so as not to disturb any evidence that might be there that they can't see in the dark. So the next morning, they take her body to the corner, and then they collect all the evidence at the scene. So after an autopsy, it's determined that Melanie had been raped and then beaten to death with a volleyball-sized rock to the head.
0: That's a strong person that can lift a volleyball-sized rock over the head. Yeah, for sure.
1: LAPD had a few leads on who their suspect or suspects might be, and they wanted to look into that woman who had come to them with information about the location of the body. Yeah. Okay. So Etta Smith, the supposed psychic, is brought in for questioning. She's questioned for 10 hours, and one of the officers becomes angry with her and even throws a chair. Etta is so distraught that she offers to take a lie detector test to prove that she was not involved in the killing. She takes the test and fails. And she's then arrested and sent to the Van Nuys jail. Bye. So what do you think
0: right now, Kim? I feel like she's... Well, I don't know what my thoughts are on psychics. Is my thought right now. <laughs> A psychic would know oh. what your thoughts are. Maybe, oh. or maybe they would just see that I'm, like, confused. <laughs> and then they would, like, feed on that. Do you think she is involved? I think she definitely knows something, because, like, this is what I think, is that she didn't do it. Okay. But she knows she's, maybe she's, like, banging the dude that did it. Okay. Or, like... It, like romantically involved also. There or, you go. You know. you bang, it's a nicer
1: way to say banging is romantically involved.
0: It could be two different things too. But totally. Um. So she has some sort of relationship, banging or not, with the guy that's involved. <laughs> banging or not. <laughs> and uh, TVD on the banging. Right, for sure. Um. I definitely have said banging way too many times right now. <laughs> You're like, up to it. like five at least. Yeah, at least. <laughs> um, and so she, I think, feels guilty and is trying to... Uh, relieve that guilt by telling this police officer something.
1: Okay. All right. So let's continue and find out. Okay. So on December eighteenth, the day after discovering Melanie's body, Detective Con May gets a phone call from a woman who would not give her name, but she said she knew who committed the murder and she has the murder weapon. Is what she tells him. <laughs> we got another fucking psychic. She's not a psychic. She said okay. she knows
0: who committed the murder. Like, personally. And she has the murder weapon? Yes. She has the volleyball-sized rock? Yes.
1: Okay, so Conmay doesn't tell her what the murder weapon was as a test, right? Yeah. And he says over the phone, what was the murder weapon? She says, a rock. She ends up not saying her name and just hangs up the phone. And then that was the end of that. Okay, so two days later on the 20th, another informant calls and says he too knows who committed the murder.
0: How many people were banging this dude? (laughs)
1: Detective May asked to meet this man in a parking lot to discuss what he knows. He says he heard the story of the killing from a friend of the killer himself, okay? So, May tracked down the friend who then led him to the suspect.
0: Okay, so he, the f- guy that ultimately led him to the suspect is not the guy that called. No, he's a friend. Okay.
1: It's a friend of a friend of the killer, okay? Everyone's okay. so, trying to get in on that. Word's getting around. This suspect was 17-year-old Norman Willis of Pacoima, who at the time was a minor and police didn't release his name to the media, only that he was a 17-year-old male. Okay. So Norman Willis is questioned by police, but he says nothing. His parents, though, open up to the officers and identify their son's accomplice, 20-year-old Lewis Carnell Morgan. <laughs> Lewis Morgan had an outstanding traffic... You know
0: that it. this dude's bad dude, bad news because he has three names.
1: Always. Yeah. Always. All good serial killers have three names:
0: if they're John lucky. Wayne Gacy I Jr. Know. I don't know. About that's actually that. four names. I don't know about him. Is that the one that dressed up like a clown? Yeah, <laughs> that's all I know. <laughs> oh, I started nothing. to watch the original It last night.
1: Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, uh, it's,
0: it's pretty. It's pretty long. I decided it's not I, great.
1: I decided I didn't want to watch it because it's. I watched the trailer for it. And it seems weird.
0: It's terrible acting. Yeah. Ooh. Like, even John Ritter, rest in peace, Mm. like, who's a good actor. Yeah. Terrible acting. Yikes. So, it's pretty impressive. Right. Yeah.
1: Anyways, I should check that out, though, because I did read all of It, which only took me a month and a half, which is pretty good for 1,500 pages. Yeah. Pretty solid.
0: I've read, I read, um, I don't even. The Bible? I read the synopsis of
1: Oh, Oh, jeez. Okay, so. Um, Lewis Morgan, who's just been named by his friend Norman Willis, and he had an outstanding traffic warrant, so police arrested him for that. And upon questioning, Morgan confessed.
0: All these murderers need to get their shit together yeah. and pay their tickets. That's true.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So upon questioning Lewis Morgan, he confesses. Uh-huh. And Detective Conway, he said it seemed like this guy really just wanted to tell somebody. Okay. Uh-huh. Um... Meanwhile. Oh, you feel bad that you are a
0: piece of shit? Yeah. I don't know what my voice was then.
1: (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh. Meanwhile, Etta Smith, our psychic, if you recall, Mm -hmm. she's been in jail for four days. Yeah, because she's full of shit. Now, had she somehow been involved in the killing? How else would she know where the body was? And the most important part here is that we're going to backtrack a little bit, and I'm going to let you know that she is, in fact, the person who found the body of Melanie Uribe. Okay, we're gonna backtrack it. Ready? We're gonna take it a few uh, steps back. Okay. So here's what happened. Okay. So Etta Louise Smith was a shipping clerk at the. Three names that she. Yeah. Listen, if I got if I have multiple names for somebody, I'm gonna put the whole thing in there. I'm not shortening it.
0: Oh. Okay. Shortening
1: it. That's weird.
0: She's I found a famous. recipe today in a book for shortening. shortening.
1: To make shortening. Isn't it just Shortbread. <laughs> shortbread. Okay.
0: <laughs> anyway. I
1: think you make shorting with, like,
0: fat. I don't know. It's shortbread, <laughs> and it's really good. We'll put the recipe up online. Okay, great. No, we won't. We no, won't. we're not going to do like, that. It's my recipe. It's good.
1: Okay, so Edna Lee Smith was a shipping clerk at the Lockheed Aerospace Plant in Burbank. Okay. Oh. Side note. Do you know about this in Burbank? Okay, so, listeners, Kim and I are... I- Kim and I have spent many, many a day in the great grand city of Burbank, California. Okay, so the Lockheed Aerospace... But we Aerospace, don't live there,
0: so don't come try and find us. We do not
1: do not live there, that is a yeah. fact. The Lockheed Aerospace Plant, it was a, it was a really big... It's where they were building airplanes for like World War II and whatnot. But like, do you know where the Empire Center is, a shopping mm-hmm. center? Yeah, that was the Lockheed plant. Oh, that whole area. So now, listeners, there's a Target, there's an Olive Garden. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to give Kim an idea. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I
0: kind of cared about that, but <laughs> all I was thinking about is this story. Uh, from a, oh wait, so a when I'm talking, ago. you just think about other things? No, only, only this. Um so uh my mom's best friend Carmen yes. I talked to you about before she um her son was um dating this woman who was brilliant and she got a job she was looking for a job looking for a job uh, and she got a job at Lockheed Martin which Oh so great Yeah um she had an accent though so when she told Carmen she got a job at Lockheed Mark- Martin <laughs> she Carmen thought she said Lucky Market. Lucky, and so Carmen was like, "Oh, okay." I mean, you went to school for a really long. Immediately, was like, <laughs> "You went to school for too long to be working at a job like that. You are worth way more than that. You need to be." And she was like, "Oh my god, it's gosh. Lockheed Martin." <laughs> <laughs> and every time someone says. I- Lockheed Martin that's what I think of I like Lockheed that I Market. think of the Burbank
1: Empire Center where the Olive Garden is and you have like an actual real legit cool story yeah. <laughs> that's great that's great yeah.
0: anyway the Olive Garden is really good though and, is, uh, right. the
1: wait's a little long so it does weekend. not matter we, we end up at Outback
0: and Outback is also delicious is and if delicious. you get the sides you get yeah. a whole meal for much cheaper and it's healthier because <laughs> you get the broccoli shout out shout out to, to Olive, Olive Garden and Outback, and Outback and they're both welcome to send us gift cards yes they are Thank you you in advance. Send us at uh, kimnowsnothing.com (laughs) slash contact and you can get right in touch with us. (laughs) Okay.
1: So, Etta Louise Smith, working at the Lockheed Aerospace Plant, Mm -hmm. she was at work listening to the radio and she heard that the police were conducting a house-to-house search for a missing woman. Etta claimed that all growing up she had psychic abilities, knowing things that she couldn't have been able to know or seeing things before they happened and she asked her mother about it and her mother told her to never tell anyone about it. So that day on December 17th, which was two days after Melanie had gone missing, at about 3 p.m. when Etta was listening to the radio, in that moment she heard house to house search. Etta thought almost as if someone was saying right to her, she's not in a house. And then she could see it, like it was a video or a movie or she could just see it very clearly in her mind. She could see this woman in Lopez Canyon she didn't know if the woman needed help or what, but she just had this clear vision. She could see the canyon, a curve on the road, and a dirt path leading to Melanie and a hill behind her. And Etta, Etta, Etta decides that despite always keeping her psychic abilities to herself, she has to tell someone.
0: What does that sound effect mean? Uh, science fiction? Oh, okay. It's like, like kind of crazy. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, like, right? Like now, now I feel bad that I said she was like kind of trying to... Yeah, because now you're adults. like, wait, what?
1: Okay, okay, yeah. so she goes to the police right after work, and as you recall, she talks to Detective Lee Ryan, who essentially sends her on her way. Yeah. She decides, though, okay, the police aren't going to do anything. I'm going to do something.
0: Good for her, because Lee Ryan, two for same, says how you know, kind of a dum-dum. Kind of a dum-dum. Yeah. Not so, his fault, but still. No,
1: not his fault, for sure. So at about four in the afternoon that same day, she comes home to her two kids and her niece and tells them about her vision. Oh, yeah, th- this is a little weird. So That's her, weird. Her nine-year-old son, Andy. <laughs> her nine-year-old son, Andy Smith, was really interested and wanted to go. Yeah, because he's nine. Yeah. And her eight-year-old daughter and <gasps> teenage niece also wanted to go along with her, so they got in the car and, and drove up to the canyon.
0: Uh, what? No, I, uh, I don't know what to say. I'm so annoyed. Well, the kids were probably like. Because <laughs> they're excited to go on adventure, but inside I'm like. I don't know. Uh, you
1: suck. Right. Because looking back on it later. So stupid. Yeah. Looking back on it later, Etta has said that she regrets bringing her kids on a little adventure like that. She, yeah. She regrets that. Did the kids s- see the body? Says that was a bad choice. So hold, please. Okay. Okay. Because those
0: Just kids, if they did, are very fucked up. Keep
1: listening. But nonetheless, the three kids and Etta head out. And it was at about 4 p.m. She wanted to get there before sunset. This was December. So they had like an hour or so. Not much time. Mm-hmm. So they start driving up the canyon. And Etta tells the kids to keep their eyes peeled. They head up about three miles to the top of the canyon and don't see anything. They pull over and Etta still doesn't see anything, but she can feel Melanie's presence. She was very convinced that they were in the right place. Kim's rolling her eyes. She, she's not buying it. I just it.
0: feel like she made a bad choice for bringing the kids I in. know.
1: I totally agree with that. And when I first read that, I and, was like, that's... ugh,
0: keep an eye out, kids. That's war that, Keep
1: an eye out for... When war. I was
0: for a dead body...
1: Well, okay. Or an alive body. Well, what she said was she didn't know if Melanie was dead or not. She just knew. She... Maybe in her mind she's thinking, I'm, I'm finding a woman who's alive and needs help.
0: Maybe, which, Maybe. like, I totally commend her on that, but yeah. bringing the kids is like...
1: I feel like they were probably a little bit scared but a little bit excited, right? Yeah, of course,
0: because they don't know and...
1: And they don't know what they're going to find, apparently. Yeah. Okay, so, um, but Edda is convinced that they're in the right place. They do turn around, they start heading back down, and Edda notices some tire marks on the road and off the embankment on the side of the road. Um, this was one of the few places where you could pull off to the side of the road. So, Edda gets out, and she goes and, like, kind of, like, feels, like, the tire treads, tread marks in the dirt, mm-hmm. and is, like, this is Melanie's truck, like, was here. She, like, feels it, you know? So, like, I think I that's think a little crazy. I think, um, I'm
0: just picturing her, like, <laughs> picking up a rock and, like, licking it and being, like, yep, yep. these were her tracks. She was here, <laughs> I know,
1: for sure. So, they get back in the car, they go back down the road. About 20 or 30 feet down the road, Edda's daughter sees something off to the left side. Uh, They all get out and start walking into the woods. There's a little path that they walk down with bushes on both sides. They keep walking, and soon they see a body.
0: Oh, man. And it's a
1: woman lying face down, and she has on white nurse's shoes. And they all immediately start running back to the car. They're just like, we're out of here. Yeah,
0: because, yeah. Yeah,
1: for obvious reasons. And they decide they're going to head right to the police station, right? But as they're driving down, an LAPD cruiser happens to be heading up the road. And so they flag him down. And they let him know what they found. And he goes out and checks it out and says it's likely the body of the nurse, Melanie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, remember when I said that the police and You know what? Found the her other body-
0: thing is that it really sucks that they're like, this poor woman. Something awful has obviously happened to her. Yeah. Uh, in addition to being murdered. Right. And then, like, she's been here and, like, no one knows where she is. And she's naked in the ground. And then they yeah. just leave her for longer than she needs to be left. That's true.
1: You're talking about the overnight thing. Yeah. Yeah, That's what sucks
0: even more, is like,
1: don't do
0: that to her. She's already like,
1: she's naked. I know.
0: I don't know. I feel bad. Nothing
1: about this is good at all. Yeah. Well, within a half an hour, officers are notified, and Detective Conmay, he heads up to the site to determine if it's the body of Melanie, um, and that's how we ended up finding out that the police... Well, the police... The police did find Melanie's body, and that's why I presented it to you that way, and, Mm -hmm. you know, but they they had Etta's help, and so when you read the newspapers from that time, and I went and I checked, um, they never say, they say that someone who was non-police, like a volunteer, found the body. Yeah,
0: because they don't want to say, like, a psychic. Right, for sure. They're never going to say that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So.
0: That's why, back then, never mind. (laughs) Oh, God. Never mind. Okay, moving on.
1: (laughs) So, as you recall,
0: Etta ended up getting interrogated by LAPD. Okay, for ten hours. Why are you laughing? (laughs) I was just thinking, like that's why back then we didn't have shows like Psych or The Mentalist because they didn't want they wanted to cover up. Oh, I like the show Psych actually. It's It's good, right? Yeah, it's funny.
1: It's not like the best show. It's not. I mean, it's not Seinfeld. That's the best show.
0: The best show currently on TV right now, besides This Is Us. Yeah. The most creative show and the best comedy on TV right now. What is is it? Is The Good Place. Oh, heck yes! yes. Sweeping I declaration. Love I love
1: it. It's so good. It's, it's so, like this high concept, like, I can't show. I understand, that's, like, like funny. Where any
0: episodes, like, at the end of the episode, I'm like, you, come on. I don't know what that means. It's, it's really crazy. good. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. I totally agree.
1: All right. So we know that they interrogated Etta, um, that they interrogated her. They were convinced that no one could possibly know the location of a murder victim without somehow being involved. And they questioned, fair. They questioned her nine year old son, Andy. And he recalls that he was handed a lollipop and began having a normal conversation with the officer. Soon, though, the officer began getting upset and started yelling at the child. Etta's eight-year-old daughter and teenage niece were also questioned. And their stories, though, weren't quite matching up. Who first saw the body? Like, some of the little details weren't matching up. So the police but were like... But they're little kids. Well, I, 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 yeah, I agree. And so that's why they inevitably... Got the polygraph test involved, and that was Edda. Upon Edda's, she wanted to do that because they were like, "We really don't believe you." She's like, "You don't believe me? Fine, put me on the polygraph." And then, but she failed it. Is the other thing that's a little bit mind boggling. Yeah, and I'm not really sure why. There's a lot of reasons. I mean, that's why polygraphs aren't admissible in court, is because they're not. A perfect science. She
0: probably was nervous because she knew she just kind of fucked her kids up forever. Probably.
1: Okay. So let's go back to our two suspects, Lewis Morgan and Norman Willis. Remember those two? Yeah. Okay. So remember, Norman wouldn't talk, but Lewis he confessed to the police. Lewis told them that on the night of December fifteenth, he and Norman Willis, along with a third man, twenty-one-year-old Spencer Nelson, decided to rob someone. So these three kids oh, are God. out looking for someone to rob. Okay. They saw Melanie Uribe stopped in her truck at a red light and decided to carjack her. And she, I mean, she really was, like, definition of wrong place, wrong time is what happened here.
0: He's the worst because I know. it's so, it's also so scary. Totally.
1: It's very scary. That's
0: all. That's all okay. I have to say. It's, like, it's genuinely very scary. It is.
1: A witness had actually seen this go down. So... And then he saw. So he sees these three guys carjack this woman in her truck. He sees the truck make a right turn and then pull over to the curb. And police later had checked the area where the truck pulled over, and they found a box of tissues in the gutter. And remember Melanie's roommate um, Shirley Trissel? She identified that box of tissues. She's like Melanie had a box of tissues in her truck, just like that. Like so, police already sort of knew that Melanie had been carjacked, and kind of uh. they kind of knew where they were going um, from the beginning. Um, they just didn't know if she was alive or not when they were searching for her, essentially. Mm-hmm. So Lewis went on, on to say that at one point they stopped the truck. Nelson got in the back of the truck with Melanie and he raped her. It's pretty pretty awful. <sighs> then they headed up to Lopez Canyon. They walked her off the road and into the canyon. The plan was to rob her and just leave her in the woods. But as they uh, were headed back to the truck, Spencer said, we're going to have to kill her. Spencer, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Lewis and Norman are not on board with this idea. But Spencer, he had previously been convicted of rape and kidnapping, and it was his victim who had identified him in court, so he was kinda like, I leave behind no witnesses. Who why are they hanging out with this douche? It's kind of a kind of a hard time, the nineteen eighties, generally speaking, as far as LA and crime. And this is a neighborhood where it's I said suburban, it makes you think of like a suburban paradise, whatever, but it was kind of like not the nicest neighborhood so there's a mm. lot of kids who are really troubled in this neighborhood that's that's a lot of what's going on so um but lewis said he didn't want to kill her he just wanted to tie her up and so he walks back to the truck to get something to tie her up with
0: oh, at this no. point
1: spencer starts walking back to melanie and lewis hears a loud thump
0: oh geez
1: he turns around and sees spencer hitting melanie over the head with a large rock they all start heading back to the trunk to they all start heading back to the truck and Spencer is carrying the rock. So Spencer's the guy who took the rock back and his girlfriend is that one.
0: Oh, Spencer's so I this, I maintain that Spencer is dumb. He's yeah, he's and he's also a piece He's of shit. truly sick.
1: Like that guy's yeah. really sick. So they drive back down the canyon and they drop Norman off first. Then Lewis and Spencer drive the truck to that spot on Burlemont where it was later found and they set the truck on fire. Lewis then takes so Lewis has been telling this story to Detective Conmey. He then takes Detective Conmey to the location where he left the rock, which is in the gutter in front of his girlfriend's house. But the rock is gone. So now Detective Conmey is thinking about that woman that called, and he's thinking that was uh, his girlfriend. So um, he, because he had just been taken to that house, he's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to just go knock on this door because I think that's the woman that called me. So Detective Conmey knocks on the door, um, and she tells him, uh, you know, I have the rock, but I have, but it's not here, and I have to go get it, and I'm gonna go by myself. And he's like, that, "That's no. weird. That's weird." But he just trusts her. And twenty bad minutes, idea. Well, 20 minutes later, she comes back with a bloody rock in a pillowcase. What? Meaning, she's crazy. She's crazy.
0: She's a loon. <laughs> she's a loon.
1: So, but the story that. Um, that is being told to the detective right now, it sounds pretty airtight, because we've got this confession, we've got a murder weapon, we've got the truck left where they said it where he said it was, and everything's checking out, the timeline, everything. So what's going on with Psychic Lady in jail though, right? Because yeah. she's been in there for four days. So and, and during all of this, no one ever mentions any woman being involved, no one named Edda Smith. Like clearly she's not involved in this. Um, so on December 21st, 1980, after four long days, Edith Smith is released from the Van Nuys Jail.
0: Ooh, just in time for Christmas. Just in
1: time. Oh man, bummer.
0: I know. It's a, <laughs> I'm glad it's not snowing.
1: What? <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's like a separate <laughs> side note item.
0: I just feel like it'd be sadder. Okay.
1: So, going into the trial for the murder of Melanie Uribe, there was plenty of evidence to build a really strong case. You know, the three men, they're charged with murder, accessory to murder, rape, and kidnapping for robbery. They're convicted and sentenced to life in jail. Now, Etta Smith, our psychic, she claims she never received an apology or any kind of acknowledgement that the LAPD had made a mistake or wrongfully imprisoned her. Nothing. That sucks. Yeah, right? So, okay, now... Um, so seven years later, in 1987, Etta decides, for whatever reason, I don't know why for she took so long, she decides she's gonna sue the city of Los Angeles. Good for her. So she felt she had been falsely well, arrested. I
0: don't
1: know. Well, yeah. And she had been humiliated by being strip searched and then left in a cell barefoot, deprived of food and water for 24 hours. In court, city attorney Michael K. Fox stood behind the LAPD. I <laughs> knew you're gonna react to this. No relation to Michael J. Fox. <laughs>
0: it's his brother
1: <laughs> city attorney Michael K. Fox did you know the J in Michael J. Fox It's his middle name does not have a J in it it's just made up he just added the J really? yeah totally
0: baller I love it <laughs> so he can cool. do no wrong in my eyes like, so I good. love that He's so the best. much I love him yeah.
1: okay Michael K. Fox city attorney he stands behind the LAPD cool. he does no He stands behind the LAPD and says Quote Reasonable police officers Confronted with reasonable beliefs A string of bizarre Very suspicious circumstances Had sufficient legal Probable cause to arrest At a Smith End quote Um And that detective That she had originally gone to Lee Ryan Remember she went to him And he was kind of like Yeah you're crazy He comes in And he testifies on her behalf Cause he's oh, like wow. She wasn't involved And I'm gonna stand behind yeah, her And I
0: feel bad I made fun of his name I know.
1: I knew you were going to regret that later. Um, I
0: I do a lot of things that people know I'm going to regret later. (laughs) They just let me do it. I set you up. I set you up.
1: I'm going to quote the LA Times here as I talk about Detective Ryan's testimony, okay? Here we go. Quote. He said, he said other detectives on the case told him that their commanding officer had ordered the jailing of Smith, who was white, because of her close association with blacks in the neighborhood where the nurse was kidnapped. The assailants, the three kids were described by witnesses as being black men. The commanding officer, Captain John Salvino, thought Smith was, quote, withholding information or possibly protecting somebody because she cohabited, lived with a male Negro, Ryan testified. Uh So they weren't just holding her because you can't know about a body. and uh, It's because those three kids, they had already had that tip from the witness that it was three black kids. And she lived with a black dude. And her son, Uh I watched an interview with her son, He's black. So, like, I feel like they saw her as, like, oh, she's got to be connected because these kids are black and she, like, hangs out with black people.
0: Ugh. Essentially. That is... disgusting. Yeah, it's pretty
1: pretty stupid. All right, so, but in the end, the judge did rule in Etta's favor, and it was up to the jury, though, to determine what her damages award would be, how much money she's going to get. Her attorney, James Blatt, initially, he initially wanted $750,000, but the jury... Um, decided to award her $25,000 for pain and suffering, which they picked that number because that was one-year salary for her. They figured that seems like a good number. Yeah. And then also another $1,184 for lost wages and attorney's fees. So that's a total of $26,184. That's what she got.
0: Okay.
1: The jurors later said they felt Etta had experienced pain and suffering, but not extreme pain and suffering. So not really... Worthy of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, like she did get something. Okay. Um, okay, but so here, he, here is where I got confused, and I really tried to find an answer to this. Okay,
0: if like, you got confused.
1: Well, ha- I am how, screwed. How did she know where the body was? Is she a psychic? Do you? Okay, here is my question, Kim. Do you believe in psychics? Well, <laughs> oh boy, that's a yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but. I also don't believe in ghosts, but I've yeah. definitely seen a ghost. Okay, that means if you I know, say that. I know, but like when other people so tell me ghost have- stories, I'm like, you're kind of full of shit. But then I'm like, I and uh, there have been times where I've been like, that was a weird thing that I saw. It was probably nothing. But then like there have been two specific instances, 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 stuff <laughs> word, um, instances, that I have definitely been like, that there's no other way to explain that. Okay, but so.
1: I don't believe in ghosts, so when I say that, I've seen things, but I would never call Mm -hmm. it a ghost because I don't believe in ghosts. I would say that I was having a fever dream where I was hallucinating. Yeah. When I saw a man knock on the window and look down on me in the middle of my sleep, it was because I was hallucinating or dreaming.
0: And see, like, when you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, totally, you probably hallucinated that. But what
1: if it was a... I mean, somebody else might say that was a ghost, but that's not... I
0: don't think they'd say it in that weird voice, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) That was a ghost. Okay, so... That's, that's the, like, my last, that's last my one. Last. Yeah.
1: So, okay. So, what do you think? How could she have known where this body was then?
0: I don't know. That's weird. Okay.
1: So, authorities they have a theory.
0: Okay. The lay theory. On me.
1: The theory being that she heard through neighborhood gossip about what had happened. Remember how everybody was telling everybody? Oh. Okay. Now she lives in Pacoima at the time which is a small neighborhood in L.A. L.A. is a big city, but Pacoima is about seven square miles. It's relatively small, and she likely lived in that same neighborhood where these kids were living, and she probably just heard about it. Um, and after all, like I said, they were telling everybody, everybody. Remember the detective found a friend of a friend of the... Yeah. ...who did it? like So it kind of makes sense that she just heard about it.
0: Okay. And
1: then either didn't remember that she heard about it and was kind of like wait something's amiss or she straight up lied and was like i'm gonna try to look cool and call myself a psychic i'm not sure but that that theory makes the most sense to me because i straight up 100 do not believe in psychics okay but you know she's been she was on shows like psychic investigators or like she mm-hmm. even went on like the oprah show back in the day she Good went on her. she did like a bunch of tv appearances just calling herself a psychic and where they would have like you know, the couch is loaded up with, it's a bunch of psychics telling their stories. Yeah. You know, like, I'm a psychic.
0: I guess I'm just not... Sure. Sure. I'm just not sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I guess I don't know. Okay, so, Kim, final thoughts. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. I'm very sad about my initial reaction to this woman's name.
1: Etta Louise Smith. Yes. Because you're like, she's obviously a killer.
0: No. No. Oh. Melanie.
1: Oh, Melanie Uribe. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm very sorry. Screw you, man. Right out of the gate. Uh, Not, cool.
0: <laughs> Not cool. Not cool. Not can cool. Not cool. Can
1: I get a sound effect here for that, please? Um,
0: yeah. 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 That is... Hang it's a long one. I didn't realize. <laughs> uh, that is every single person listening booing me because I definitely deserve it. Yeah, definitely. Um... I feel like kudos for that roommate. Yes, good roommate. Really good roommate and also just a reminder to everybody that like tell your friends when you're going places. Yeah, smart. And if your friend or roommate or somebody that you know is supposed to be here, be proactive. Where are you? Call them, see if you can figure it out, and then be proactive and say like, this is a weird situation. I'm going to try and figure it out. Good for the roommate, I would say. Smart. Um, now this is
1: 1980, so I would say just put Find My Friends on your phone. Now, Kim, you and I track each other. Yeah. So I knew when you were headed over here, I got an alert that when you left your house.
0: Oh, that's very <laughs> creepy. Yeah,
1: totally. I Listen, I just wanted to know when you'd be on your way. Yeah. So I could get everything did ready. Did you know,
0: did you get an alert that said, whoops, Kim forgot her <laughs> laptop <laughs> and has to go home back. and then come back? No. Um, well, I got that
1: alert because you told me.
0: Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> okay, you got a textual <laughs> alert. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know, just, yeah, like, have have a buddy that knows where you are. And then if you're the buddy that knows, then be proactive about...
1: Just like Shirley Trussell. Mm-hmm. Roommate of the year award.
0: Roommate of the year. Um, and also, like, screw you, 80s. Yeah, the 80s were a rough for time. For locking up this woman for interracial friendships and relationships. Yeah, That's totally. exactly what it was, and, like, definitely screw you 80s, period. Totally true. And also a little bit screw you 20, 2017. Oh! A lot screw you 2017. I want to actually double down on whoa, that. Whoa, 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 Just, whoa, Just...
1: <laughs> getting heated. Yeah.
0: <laughs> double down. Um, and... Oh, this is for The Roommate. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. And this is for, um... Like all the twists and turns of the episode.
1: It's pretty good. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. All right. That's great. Signing off. Signing off. Another great
0: episode. Nailed it. Um, just a reminder that you can find out more information about the episode on kimknowsnothing.com. And then click on supplemental materials after you listen to this episode because Stacy did a killer job researching it. So all the links and everything that she did will be on there. And then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Kim Knows Nothing, where we'll have uh, links. You're gonna get you're gonna get information. Just go to those places. You'll get information. And uh, yeah, you can contact us on the website also. And that's all I got. That's all we got. Yeah. All right, I gotta go.
1: See you next week. Bye, Kim. Okay, bye. 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 That's why I'm leaving.